Welcome to the first episode of the Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Risa Kawamoto, a transformational coach and yoga and Ayurveda teacher. The Journey Podcast is all about sharing the journeys of purpose driven individuals from all walks of life who are following their passion and fulfilling their purpose in their own individual, unique way. In this very first episode, I will be sharing my own journey to how I landed the decision to create the Journey Podcast. I will also be sharing my vision for the Journey Podcast and what you can expect from future episodes. So I hope you enjoy listening to the first episode of the Journey Podcast. All right, so my journey goes back to my childhood. You might be thinking how my childhood got anything to do with deciding to create my own podcast, but I feel it's really important to set the scene. So I was born and grew up in Japan until the age of nine when my parents decided to send me to a boarding school in the UK. I used to avoid telling people about this part of my life because when I say boarding school in the UK, most people automatically think that I have wealthy parents and that I'm well educated. Or at least I thought that's what people would think of me. So I used to just not tell people about me going to the boarding school bit <laughs> in my childhood. I just used to say that I came here to study and I don't mention what age or anything like that. So I wouldn't call my parents wealthy. I would say I grew up in an average family in Japan. I'm really grateful that I didn't grow up in poverty and I was able to receive a good education, good quality food to eat, and I was able to enjoy my childhood without worrying too much about money or worrying about where I would be living tomorrow. But this was mainly because my parents were extremely careful with their money so that they could provide us with a good childhood and also sent me to the other side of the world to receive alternative education. I know that my parents sacrificed so much for me and my brother who also went to the same boarding school as me. They really lived uh, in a frugal way. They usually only have like three sets of like tops to wear and uh, trousers to wear. They have three sets of everything when it comes to clothing. And I also did too when I was little as I was growing up in Japan. And they never went away on holiday. My dad actually worked uh, as a self-employed pharmacist. So he worked six days a week and he never took any like time off on public holidays or anything. So they sacrificed so much for me and my brother so that they could provide a good childhood for us. 
and then there's the well-educated part. So if anyone thinks I'm well-educated because I went to boarding school, <laughs> well, I'm so sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not well-educated at all, which has been my, actually my big hurdle throughout my life. Um, but I will come back to this later on in this episode. Anyway, so I went to this very unique school called Summerhill School. It used to be called a free school, but it's now known as a democratic school. But I guess it doesn't really matter how it's called. But the main thing about this school is that lessons are non-compulsory and both adults and children have equal status. So what happens when you are a child who grew up with rather strict parents and then all of a sudden you are given a choice to either go to a lesson or do whatever you want to do? Obviously, I made a choice to not go to lessons at all. So I spent seven years in Samahil school and I can probably count the number of lessons I attended. And funnily enough, my favorite lessons were actually mathematics. <laughs> and, and that might explain uh, where my career landed, uh, which I will explain a little bit later in this episode. So although I didn't go to lessons much, I actually learned so much from living in a small community surrounded by unique individuals. I know that many people crave freedom. But what many people don't realize is that freedom comes with responsibility. And I learned responsibility from a young age and the consequences of your own actions and behavior. So although sometimes I want to blame my parents for my challenging upbringing and early adulthood, I am really grateful for all the lessons I learned from these seven years in Summerhill School. So when I left Summerhill School at 16, I had to face the consequences of my own actions. So I had two GCSEs, which stands for the General Certificate of Secondary Education, uh, which is an academic qualification in England. <laughs> I actually had to Google this, um, but just to those who live outside of UK and don't know what GCSEs are. Um, I also had broken English because I never really studied English properly and I learned English from just listening to other kids at school and quite few of them are from other countries. So I basically learned broken English most of the time during my time in Summerhill School. So anyway, I had chosen to study media studies and photography at college. Um, for your information, college in England means higher education and not a university. So the reason why I chose to study media studies and photography was that I wanted to become a photojournalist at the time. I really enjoyed the photography course, 
although I couldn't really immerse myself in it because I was working six nights a week in the restaurant to pay my rent and bills and all the other expenses that came from the photography course which wasn't cheap and if you know me well you will know this about me already but I'm really stubborn and I wanted to be independent at age of 16. <laughs> in fact I couldn't wait to leave school and start working so I can earn my own money. So I told my parents to not send me money mainly because I knew my parents were struggling financially as well and I didn't want to be a burden to them. So the majority of my student life was spent working in the restaurant which I actually enjoyed and the best part of work in the restaurant was actually free food and free alcohol. <laughs> um, so in my last year of college, I had to make a decision to either go to a university or start working full time. And I have to say it was an easy decision as I couldn't afford to go to university anyway as I was still classed as an overseas student and I didn't want to ask my dad for money I knew he couldn't afford anyway. So I decided to start looking for a full-time office job and at this point I had already given up my photojournalist dream because one, my English wasn't good enough and two, my photography skills weren't good enough as well. So for me, all I wanted at that point was to get my foot in the door to some kind of office job. And I had no idea how to apply for jobs and how to do a formal job interview. It's not something I uh, was taught at school at all and I honestly can't remember now how I got my first permanent full-time job but I managed to get myself a job as an office junior in the media regulator in London, earning about 16K a year. And I think I was around 20 years old then. Um, so I was working in a really lovely team, although everyone in the team was much older than me. I was well looked after and um, I think my line manager at the time, she actually had a daughter who was same age as me. So I think she really looked after me really well. Um, but after working in a restaurant for three years, I actually found working in an office as an office junior rather and inspiring and soulless. And I wanted to do more than just answering the phone and filing. And that's paper filing, by the way, back in those times, um, not electronic filing. Um, so after a year or so, I started looking for new jobs. And as I got quite lucky and got my first job relatively easily, I actually thought it would be easy to get new job as well, since I now have some experience on top of just uh, qualification or education rather. Um, but no, <laughs> I soon realized that biggest hurdle was not having a degree. Um, 
almost all the jobs I wanted to apply for required some form of degree or even masters or PhD for some uh, uh, some jobs that I wanted to apply for. Um, I did still apply for hundreds of jobs even though they required degrees but I didn't get any invitation for an interview and I really started to feel really depressed and hopeless until one day I got a call from a recruitment agency that their clients looking for a Japanese speaker in a global advisory firm as a client service administrator. And a few days later, I got an interview. And then a couple of days later, I got a job offer. And I was really, really pleased with myself for getting into one of the largest global advisory firms in the world, even as an admin role. I thought it could open up the door for me to climb the corporate ladder. But a few months later, I was already feeling bored, discouraged and unmotivated. And there was no space for creativity in that role. And I felt like my skills were underutilized. So I started looking for different qualifications that I could study. As I thought if I had some sort of qualification, it would be easier to find jobs I really wanted. So I doubled with HR qualifications, a legal secretary course, um, also IT, and I also studied a bit of social science at Open University as well to uh, try to get a degree. And I think it was like four year study if you wanted to get a degree from an Open University. Um, but none of them really sparked my joy and got me nowhere in terms of my getting my next job or next career. I did eventually get a new job in another global advisory firm in another admin role. It wasn't a dream job, of course, and I only got a job because I got a call from a recruitment agency who told me that I would be a good fit as I have experience in another global advisory firm. But in this company, I got funded to study an accounting qualification as I eventually got a finance role after uh, doing this admin role that I initially got for a year or two years, I can't remember. And I finally thought, this is it. And this is going to be my new career as an accountant. And if you remember that my favorite lesson in Summerhill School was mathematics. So this is the connection. Um, and, you know, I always been good with numbers. And my mom, used to tell me as well actually when I was at school in Japan because I really enjoyed math and I was really good at it that oh maybe one day you're gonna be um, getting a job that's something to do with numbers. Um, so I thought this was going to be the perfect career for me but I never actually felt enjoyment in a job and I was constantly feeling something was lacking in my life. As I got promoted and took on more responsibilities, I was working longer hours 
and I was spending most weekends either studying for my qualification or working. I was really stressed out. I was really exhausted, and I was feeling really miserable from my job, and I had also ended up in a abusive relationship as well. And I actually didn't know at the time, but I was completely burnt out. I filled my sense of emptiness with cigarettes and alcohol, hoping this would relieve my stress. But it didn't, and instead I was hungover almost every morning, and it led to a really bad eczema flare-up on my face, and my self-esteem hit rock bottom. I know that many people who got to know me recently or after this dark period of my life. They can't believe that I used to smoke a lot or even drink a lot of alcohol. I actually started smoking and drinking from around thirteen years old, and again, I was doing this to partially fill the sense of emptiness, and try to get attention from my parents as well. So smoking and drinking wasn't something new to me; it has always been a coping mechanism. I did eventually leave that job after five years and started working in a smaller company away from central London. And it actually gave me more free time to focus on my life. And this is where everything started to change in my life. So a few months later, after getting this new job, I moved to an area where there was a yoga studio within walking distance. From my home, so I started practicing yoga regularly in this yoga studio, and I started learning a lot about yoga philosophy in my spare time. And of course, I still didn't enjoy my new job, and I hope you are all starting to see the pattern here. So I actually moved to this debt investment company. Which was completely out of alignment with my core values, but again, a recruitment agency got in touch with me as they thought I had all the skills and experience for this role. So I went for an interview and got a job. Um, but this time it was slightly different because I had yoga in my life, and my regular yoga practice kept me sane, grounded. And it gave me a sense of feeling alive. So I think around six months into the job, I started looking for a new job. Again, I know,、um, but I also started looking into a completely different path, and I started searching for a yoga teacher training course. And also around this time, I discovered Ayurveda as well. And then in twenty fourteen, I completed my first yoga teacher training. The training was actually really challenging, physically and mentally as well. But I guess this is a story for another time. I would love to share my journey, um, my yoga teacher training journey, in future episode. 
Um, but the biggest accomplishment after completing my yoga teacher training was to quit smoking. Yoga really helped me look at my life from a different perspective. And it showed me that I didn't need to rely on cigarettes to feel happier in my life. And as I was saying this, I actually feel really emotional. It was um, one of the biggest accomplishments in my life. Um, yeah, just feel really emotional <laughs> sharing this. Um, so after completing my yoga teacher training, I started building my own website and I started blogging and started teaching at work to my colleagues. I also started running private yoga classes as well and started marketing and promoting my classes. And I was really naive because I thought yoga is so popular and I thought it would be really easy to get people interested in my yoga classes. But <laughs> no, <laughs> I soon realized how difficult it is to get students for paid private classes. Yes, everyone loves all these free like trial yoga classes, but when it comes to paid classes, no people don't want to pay <laughs> um, somehow. Um, so I started following other uh, more established yoga teachers and I started studying their marketing tactics and their strategies. I also started searching for all the marketing and business courses online and that is when I discovered a whole world of online business and coaching. And for the past eight years, I learned so much about online businesses, branding, and also marketing and sales. And I also ventured out different things as well. So I did a bit of health coaching. I also offered web design services. And also I did a bit of business consulting around online marketing as well. So you might be thinking, what is all this got to do with me creating this podcast? Well, looking back, one thing I really struggled with was finding a role model, both in my career and also in my business life. I never really had anyone who I could look up to who I really admired, a person who has a similar background to me and has gone through a similar pathway and overcome challenges and had a successful career or business. So I used to and I still do get a bit envious about it um, when people tell me how they admire their parents or school teachers or work colleagues or even successful entrepreneurs and that they are their role models. People who really expanded their thinking, who uh, really inspired them and encouraged them to go after their dreams, whether it was directly or indirectly. I have listened to many business podcasts where the host interviews a successful entrepreneur 
Some can be really inspiring, but I often find myself feeling discouraged as most of the time these successful entrepreneurs are white male or female who are heterosexual, able-bodied, and have a good academic education. And I straight away feel like, oh, that's not me. I'm not white. My English isn't my first language and I don't have a degree. I can't be successful like them. And I also felt the same as a yoga teacher as well. I'm not a pretty white female yoga teacher and I can never get thousands of followers on Instagram. And I know it's really stupid to say that because I know the number of followers on Instagram doesn't mean anything at all. And all it matters is how my students feel after taking my yoga classes. Um, but this is why I decided to create this podcast. My vision is to bring diverse guests from different ethnicity, age, gender, sexual orientation, religions, social status, or physical and mental ability who are living according to their true self and fulfilling their purpose in their own individual unique way with hope that you will able to relate and resonate with some of the guests who can hopefully inspire and motivate you to live according to your true self and follow your passion as well. Because I believe that we are all unique individuals who are capable of great things no matter what our background is or any labels we are given by society. So that was my journey to how I landed the decision to create the Journey podcast. I hope you enjoyed this first episode and please do share with your friends, families and colleagues or anyone who you think might benefit and spread the love. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode where I will be talking to my first inspiring guest.